Welcome to Soul Via Soul, the podcast where we embark on a journey of self-love and true wellness. I'm your host, Jada, and I'm absolutely delighted to have you here with me as we dive into all things mind, body, and soul. Now, what do you say we get this thing started? Let's dive in. When I started my private practice, I also saw as a holistic psychiatry provider, this disconnection with a lot of patients with who they were. There was this struggle to, to really connect with their core. So Solvia Soul is really an extension of my years as a holistic psychiatry provider, really trying to help people connect to themselves And welcome back to today's podcast. Today's podcast is actually a story. I'm going to tell you a story. So grab a cup of tea or a beverage of your choosing and settle in because this is actually the story of Soul via Soul, but it's more than that. It's actually a story about what it is to belong, to have community within ourselves. And that may sound a little strange. So let me explain. Most of you who know me, and I guess those of you who don't, may not know that I grew up in the South. Growing up in the South, the deep South, Georgia and all my relatives are in Alabama, there are just certain things about my childhood that I just thought everybody experienced. And it wasn't until I became much older that I realized that my childhood is really pretty unique, I guess, when I talk to friends, but it's also not so unique when I talk to people who are of my generation, because things were really, truly a little bit different back then. But I also think that it was even more different because I grew up in the South. Now, my grandparents were farmers, like many other people in that time. Built on an agricultural society is just something that was really common, especially in the South. And I remember driving to see my grandparents on holidays and weekends. And that was also the time that as children, we just spent the summer with our grandparents. They just dropped us off. And I remember the drive and the anticipation and kind of the unique thing about my family, I guess, is that when we were driving home to Alabama, there were certain landmarks that I knew we were getting close. And one of the ways that we knew that were by the churches that we counted. Now, there are a lot of churches in the South and there was a certain church that marked church number one, which meant to us that we were within a five minute drive of my grandparents. We got to church number two and the excitement grew and then grew. And then we got to church number three. When we got to church number three, we would then make a right turn off the highway. No, not a highway, it was a country road onto what I always called my grandparents' road. And it was actually called Church Road. And 
on the way to my grandparents, the first house we would pass about a mile onto this road was my uncle's house. Right across the street was another aunt and uncle. Adjacent to them was a cousin. Adjacent to them was another set of cousins. You keep going down the road and then there's another um, aunt and uncle. And then around the bend was my grandparents' house down this long dirt driveway. Now, my family grew up poor. So this wasn't like the idyllic drive to the big Southern mansion kind of thing. Like, no, this was a single story, very modest country home. And there wasn't a driveway. You just pulled up on the grass. Like there was just dirt. And it was now looking back, not necessarily like this beautiful home, but yet it always felt so wonderful. It was just a house, but it wasn't. It was filled always with my relatives because they all lived off the same street. Now, back in those times when you got married, you got 40 acres and that was your wedding gift from my grandparents. You got 40 acres to go build your life. And so all my relatives live literally within a mile of my grandparents. So when I went home, there were oodles of cousins and aunts and uncles that were always there. And I just thought that was normal that your family just lived off the same road. Well, obviously that's not, but I didn't know it at the time. And there are things about my childhood when I reflect on going home that are so vivid in my memory. And it's funny how certain memories stick out in our memory as, as children. I remember being loaded up with all my cousins on hot summer days to go dig potatoes. And we would all just pile in the back of this pickup truck and drive down the road like nobody cared with 15 grandkids and cousins and just piled, you know, flopping all around at every turn and just thinking it was the, the best thing ever. Now, of course, that's completely dangerous, but that's how I grew up and it was awesome. And digging potatoes is no fun. Like it's, it's hard work, but as a kid, it's like digging for buried treasure. So my grandfather was pretty smart in saying, Hey kids, let's go dig potatoes because we always thought it was like digging for gold. And he got a lot of free labor in that. And I remember playing in the canes. My grandfather grew as a farmer, lots of things, but he had sugar canes that would grow next to the house and they made a great place to hide, play hide and seek and build forts. Simple childhood games. And I guess in some respects, life was simpler back then, but I just remember the feeling of being home, running around barefoot in the dirt, playing on the farm. Now, my parents also, while they didn't take the 40 acres and move right down the road, like the rest of their 
brothers and sisters did. They moved a little far north and resided in the Tennessee Valley area and in North Georgia. And that felt like home. And growing up again with parents who were very steeped in Southern tradition, we had gardens and I would, as a teenager and young adult, also wander in the dirt, in the garden, just like I did with my grandfather, I did with my dad. And, um, it was just a peaceful time. And I remember those were the days that you would shower at night. Like we get up and do our thing and shower in the morning. But in those days you spent all day outside, you got covered in dirt and Lord knows you couldn't go to, to bed with dirty feet on clean sheets. So you have to shower at night. That's what I remember about growing up, climbing trees, catching crawdads in the Creek, fishing, shelling beans, sitting on the couch at night, watching television, eating half a watermelon cross leg with a shaker of salt. That's what I remember. One of my other vivid memories was about making jelly. Now, for those of you who've never made jelly, it kind of seems mysterious because it's really pretty simple. It just takes a little bit of time, but it's basically just fruit, sugar, and pectin, and you put it in a jar and seal it. Now there's the whole canning aspect of things, but that's another thing about childhood. I was taught to can things and preserve things. And you had a garden to preserve food. So you could, as I say, eat on it during the winter time, because that's just what you did. You would go to the pantry to get a jar of something that you grew in the summer to have for dinner. That's what I knew. That was common for me. And I later found out that that was really not something that most people did. But making jelly was one of those traditions I did with my dad. Now, my dad also grew lots of things. He was a farmer to his core. He was also a teacher. That was his vocation as he was a teacher. And making jelly was something that we did together. He would grow the fruit and I would make the jelly and then we would split it. And it was a tradition that we did and one particular fruit that he grew was something called muscadines. Now that's not something, again, most people up here in the Chicagoland area have even heard of, let alone tasted. And muscadine jelly is not something that is, you can't even purchase. But muscadine jelly is what we made and we made it every September. And as the school year comes into view, I often think about those times making jelly with my dad because he would grow the muscadines and in my very dad-like frugal way, he would take one of his old t-shirts, put the berries in there and let it drip into a five gallon bucket of juice. And that's what I would make the jelly from. Now, why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this because this has significance because I have another podcast about my homeschooling journey. And here's where my homeschooling journey starts. I always went to Georgia to make the jelly. And my dad would always say, bring those grandkids down here and let them quote, air it out. And I always loved that phrase because my kids got to do what I got to do when I was a child. 
run barefoot in the garden, dirt between your toes, fishing, catching frogs, digging for worms to go fishing. And as I got older, I realized that that was a treasure. And I absolutely love that my children got to have some parts of the same childhood I had by letting them go to Georgia and air it out and be kids. So when my oldest started kindergarten, I didn't think twice about pulling her out for the month of September and going to Georgia and making jelly because that's what I always did. And then I got this stern letter from the district about how my kindergartner was truant and I need not ever do that again or I was going to be in serious trouble. Well, those of you who know me know that I don't take kindly to being pushed in a corner and I'm kind of a control freak, I guess, in some respects. I mean, it's even hard for me to follow recipes. I took one look at that letter and I thought, oh no, I'm sorry. You're talking to the wrong girl because I pretty much am not going to not go to Georgia to make the jelly. So we're going to have to come up with another arrangement. And that's when I decided to homeschool because going to Georgia and spending time with my father, who is a teacher, was to me the most precious gift I could give my children. And I was going to just not, not do that. So I had a little talk with my dad, who is a teacher. And I said, I think I can handle kindergarten. I think I can handle first grade. So I'm going to just come on down to Georgia like planned. And we're just going to see how this how this goes. And that started my decade-long journey of homeschooling, which I, I'm going to have another podcast about. But it really was never my intent to, to do that. But I'm getting sidetracked on about the story of Sylvia Zill. Having those traditions, having that be a part of my life, having my children experience what it is to have that sense of home and community. And same thing, we would turn down Leisure Lake Shellcracker Road and my kids would know we're home. My dad would be standing in the front lawn waiting to greet us with open arms and a spread of food ready to be eaten because in the South, when people came, you ate, when guests came over, you cooked. And we had to know and tell him exactly when we were coming so he could make sure the cornbread was hot and the tea was cold. That's what coming home was. And my kids would dance with excitement as soon as we turned down the road, just like I would dance with excitement of seeing my grandparents. They too got to have that tradition and they would pile out of the van, run toward my dad and be scooped up into his arms. And he would say, Hey, youngins, let's air it out. It felt good. And I think all of us who have memories of going home, college kid going home, having our first house and inviting our parents to come to our home. Like there's this sense of home and it's rooted deep in our being to feel connected to home. I think that's even why those childhood games where you have home base are so appealing because as soon as you touch home base, you're safe. Nothing can touch you. You you're safe. 
So when both of my parents died within a few years of each other, suddenly I didn't have a home. I didn't have home. And my Georgia roots seemed to be ripped from me and I lost my home. And it seems like I lost my soul at the same time. And I had to create a new home. And while all of us create homes, obviously when we're adults, there's something about going home that feels different. It is a connection that is bigger than us. It's this deep rootedness. And it's that deep rootedness that we all crave. And that's something I had to recreate when I lost my connection to my Georgia home. And I still have relatives in Alabama and I still have land in Alabama. And there is still this, this connection to my roots, but you know, as we get older, we have to find it in other ways. And I realized that I had to find my roots within myself. That's when I started Soul via Soul. I've always loved the image of a tree. And um, even when I created my homeschool, it was called Four Oaks Homeschool in dedication to the oak tree, which was my father's favorite tree. He used to tell me the story of the water oak being his favorite tree because he could tell by the size of the acorns what kind of winter it was going to be. He could look at the color band stripes of the woolly bear caterpillar and tell me whether the winter was going to be mild or whether the winter was going to be harsh. There was a connection to the earth. There was a connection to the land. There was a connection to himself. And that's something that I always admired. And it's something that I've always strived to have for me. And even when I homeschooled my kids, it was to have them have a deep connection to themselves. So when I had to recreate my life, and there's been series of times I've had to do that when I went through a divorce and had to recreate my identity, when I left a secure job and started my own company, there was a, a, a fear and a uncertainty of creating um, a new home. And then obviously when my parents passed away, creating that sense of home. So a few years ago, it was really impressed upon me as I was in this seeking identity of creating a sense of what it is to feel deeply connected to yourself that I created Soul via Soul. And if we break that title down, S-O-L-E, the soles of our feet reminded me of running barefoot in Georgia and Alabama in my childhood. And, and the literal grounding of our souls on this earth is such a memory that holds dear for me as childhood, but it's more than that. It's, it's where we're rooted into the earth. It's where we are rooted in our truth. And it's similar to a tree and that when we are rooted in who we are, we are then able to lift our branches up to the sky and reach for the S-O-U-L, the soul, which is the essence of who we are. The via means through or the way. And over the course of my healing journey and years of therapy, I realized that the only way out is through. So that's why I chose the word via because it is through our bodies. It is the embodiment 
of our truth that allows us to reach our true essence, which is why it's soul via soul. And I just love this image of bare feet, the soles of our earth firmly planted on the ground that allows us to anchor into our being, our vessel, which is our body, which is our home that we'll always have with us, whether we have a physical home to go to or whether our parents have passed away or whether they're not, whether we move and create new homes and rebuild homes and design homes and whatever, the home that really truly is one that will never leave is the home within ourselves. When I started my private practice, I also saw as a holistic psychiatry provider, this disconnection with a lot of patients with who they were. There was this struggle to, to really connect with their core. So Solvia Soul is really an extension of my years as a holistic psychiatry provider, really trying to help people connect to themselves. It allows me to do it in a broader way. It allows me to reach people all over the world, however, because I'm not limited by my professional licenses. But Solvia Soul is a way that allows me through courses, through um, a community of a membership, through workshops that allow people to learn what it is to return home to themselves, to have a deep sense of inner knowing and connection so that you can be firmly planted to your core with what stirs your heart, with what moves you so that you can connect to your soul. You can connect back to you. And it is through our body and by embodying our passions and our purpose that we do find our souls, our soul purpose, our essence of who we are. If you don't have that sense of connection, if you really struggle to feel home inside your body, this is what I teach. It's so important, whether you learn this from me or whether you find it in another way, to feel deeply rooted in yourself, to learn to connect to yourself and to always be at home, no matter where you lie your head down at night. So if you are struggling to find your balance, if you're finding yourself uncertain where your core is, reach out, take a look at the resources I have. Starting and returning home to you is the biggest blessing and gift you can give yourself. And if you're hearing or watching this, then this is your sign. It's time to return home to you.